Let's learn how to grow a successful blog. You're a voice actor. You're an entrepreneur. You're a VOpreneur. Welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur Podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceAmp player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicesam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. The Vopreneur Podcast. Hey, it doesn't suck. Not as funny as Conan. Not as cute as Seth Meyers. Not as smart as Colbert. But he's one of us, and that counts for something. Here's Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur. Hello and welcome to the Everyday VOpreneur podcast, your guide through the business of voiceover. I'm Mark Scott, the original everyday VOpreneur, as always, ready to give you some more actionable, practical advice that is going to help you grow your voiceover business. One of the things that I firmly believe is that if you want to get better at a thing, you figure out who's the best at doing that thing and you model them. If you're interested in getting better at blogging, I've got a really good person for you to model in this episode. Now, just before we get there, I want to remind you that you can subscribe to the podcast so you never have to miss another episode. New episodes drop every single Thursday, available at Apple Podcasts or wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. You can also listen anytime and check out the complete archives at vopreneur.com. So make sure you do that. Thank you so much for your five-star reviews and let me know if you're listening on Instagram. Share it in your story and tag me at Mark Scott. So if you're going to write a blog, which is something that I've done, it's really hard work, but there can be a lot of upside to it. But if you want to do it well, there are things that you need to know, things that you need to understand. And there's nobody better to talk about the art of blogging and to really break it down for us than my guest in this interview. You're gonna enjoy this one, you're gonna learn a ton. When we think about marketing and SEO as it pertains to our website, one of the most common suggestions we're offered is to start a blog. Like it's really that simple and easy. My guest today is the author of what I would imagine is the most read and successful blog our industry has ever seen. With over 40,000 subscribers, he's also the author of the book, Making Money in Your PJs, which means it's no coincidence prior to this interview, he asked if we'd be on camera and if he could remain in his PJs. <laughs> he says, the Dutch are known for their directness and I'm not afraid to speak my mind and stir the pot. I'm here to teach, challenge, inspire, and entertain you. And that's exactly what I'm looking for. So thank you, Paul Strickwarda. Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thank you so much for having me. Did you know that I'm actually going to be very close to where you are in a week or so? I'm moving to the border of Vermont with Canada. So I'm ah. going to be 10 minutes away from the Canadian border. Oh, man. <laughs> I can imagine that Vermont would be absolutely gorgeous in three out of the four seasons, but I don't know that I would survive winter there. <laughs> they say there's a couple of seasons of Vermont. There's winter. And there's mud season, and there's the rest of the year. <laughs> Whatever the, the colorful leaf season is, I think I could probably yeah. handle that one. But yeah. yeah, winter season would kill me there. So oh. blogging. Yeah. It's easy, right? Oh, man, it's so easy. You it, just take a pen and paper. It's as easy as doing voiceovers. Right? You, know? you just it's need just a microphone talking. and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm just making it all up and then write it down and people love it. And I become an overnight blogging star. You know, that's the way it works. <laughs> yeah, and to publish a book on Amazon and you get to speak yeah. at conferences and there's, there's nothing to it, right? No, nothing at all. <laughs> well, to me, you know, the more... I write, the easier it gets. You know, my wife is a professional musician. She always says, the more you practice, the easier it will become. And it's this blogging muscle that you have to develop. I'm not going to lie about that. And, uh, you know, when you look at people who are really good at what they are, they're good at making it look easy, but it doesn't mean it is easy. Yeah. I'm a big music fan. And when I watch my favorite pianists play a concert, you know, Beethoven or Mozart, and it looks like they're making it up on the spot and everything is, seems so easy. But I also know that these guys are practicing scales for a couple of hours a day and lots of other things that you need to get to that level. And I think it's the same with voiceovers and certainly with blogging. Yeah, for sure. So let's start 
at the very beginning. What, in your opinion, is the beginning? Is it is it choosing an audience, deciding on a name, picking a theme or a topic? What's the first step? <laughs> well, the first step was me not being able to keep my big mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, as voiceovers, we always read other people's words. You know, that's it. People give us a script, we talk, we get paid, rinse and repeat. I was kind of tired of reading other people's stuff. And I wanted to write my own scripts and my own stories because I thought I had a couple of bones to pick with the voiceover industry, with certain people, with certain organizations and pay to plays, whatever. And uh, I just felt this fire burning inside of me that I wanted to share my thoughts with the world. <laughs> Little did I know that you know, 15 years later, I would have 40,000 plus subscribers. I got 4,000 people who follow me on Instagram because I started microblogging on Instagram, a different story every day. And it just grew out into this whole big thing now and a book and there's another book coming. But I had this inner urge that I wanted to share my opinion with the world. <laughs> and people warmed up to it for some reason. They say it's probably my, my Dutch honesty, my Dutch directness, because whenever you go to Holland, you'll find that the people are very direct. They'll tell you when they don't like something, they'll tell you when they like something. And it may come across as a little bit rude to people who are not used to it. But the Dutch are just very open and they speak their mind and they're honest. And uh, I found that coming from the Netherlands, I brought this European perspective to the voiceover industry that wasn't there. So I had a unique take. So I think that one of the first things that you need to have as a successful blogger, you have to have your own perspective, a very personal view. If everything is just gray and it's just, oh, it's lovey-dovey, we're all here happy and everything's fine in the world of voiceovers, nobody's going to read you because <laughs> it's not interesting. So you have to have, you need to be interesting in order for people to be interested. And apparently I had no idea, but to me it was normal. I always tell my, my students, I also coach voiceovers, I say, you know, what's normal to you is special to someone else, but you don't recognize it as special because it's normal. And that was the same with my writing efforts. One of the things that I love about your blog and have always loved about your blog is the fact that it is just straight up in your face. And I think especially now, everybody is trying so hard to be so diplomatic and nobody wants to risk being offensive, which means that people, what do we say, harness their opinions or water down their opinions. And and it does get kind of boring. And sometimes it's really just refreshing to have somebody tell it like it is. So I appreciate that about what you do. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, we all eat too much sugar, so I've never been into sugar coating and I will never be into sugar coating. So people say the reason we love your blog is because Paul tells it the way it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> I have to take a step back and say, no, I don't tell it the way it is. It's just the way I see it. It's just one opinion of a guy who can't keep his big mouth shut, who happens to come from the Netherlands. That's all. Well, the way that you see it very often is the way that it needs to be seen, or at least that's been my experience. And I... I know you've tackled some really tough subjects in the past and, and you know, I I got kicked off of one certain casting site platform and I think banned <laughs> for life because of things that I said about them on a blog. My guess is that you've probably found yourself in similar situations. Yes, happily. Yeah. I mean, yeah. sometimes the truth <laughs> hurts, but the truth needs to get told, right? Exactly. You know, a little bit of controversy is never bad for readership. My best and most well-read blogs are always controversial, mm -hmm. which I also hate. Because in, let's say, modern day discourse, all the stuff that you read about Facebook, you know, uh, going for the extreme because people like reading extreme points of views and yelling and shouting at each other. If you are kind of bland, people won't notice you. So I had to step it up a little bit and be more thought provoking than I wanted to be in order to be read. It's like, you know, you have to create this huge headline that everybody goes to your hook to hang the whole story on. Otherwise, your stuff will be ignored because you're just a little needle in a huge haystack because there are billions of blogs in the world. And I want I want people to read my blog and not someone else's blog. People have limited amount of time, so I need to catch them and entice them to come to me and read my stuff. Because if you are a blogger and nobody reads your stuff, 
you're you're like uh, a guitar with a, without a sounding board. You, have, you may have the nicest strings in the world, but nobody will hear you resonate. Yeah. So we're starting at the beginning. We're we're figuring out what our perspective is, what we're gonna bring to the table. Now, another reason that a lot of voice actors talk about starting a blog, and some of them are told to start a blog, it's because it's a marketing tool or an SEO tool. But there's a big difference between writing for SEO and creative writing, as it were. So what do you think about the concept of starting a blog strictly for SEO? Well, you might ask uh, artificial intelligence to write it for you because you just feed them the keywords that you like to highlight that do well in the realm of SEO. And then there's software that can write a story for you. I mean, I used to be a journalist in a past life, and now they have robots that write journalistic articles. You just feed them basic information. They come up with the story. The same thing for um, lawyers who want to create an argument. They feed the artificial intelligence the particular parts of the law that they need to highlight, and out comes a story. So there's nothing creative about it. And I think you're really writing on false pretenses. If you just want to write to attract the people because it's good for your website, people will pick up on that. I, I always pick up on that because there's lots of blogs that I read that I think, you know, why is this person doing that? Why is this even interesting? This is just a pretext to put in a bunch of keywords that score high on the SEO rating scale. And you're, I feel that people are, that I've been had, you know, when I read those yeah. blogs. And I, that's the last thing I want to do. The last thing I want to have my readers feel is that they've been had or have been used. You know, I write my blog to give something to people, not to get something from people. And when you do it for SEO purposes, you do it to get something instead of giving something. There's a soul and a, and a heart behind it when you're like writing the way that you write. I can, and even as I'm listening to you, you know, talk about this, that particular question, answer that question, I can feel that there's a soul and there's a heart behind why you do what you do. Two totally different objectives, right? I know that your blog has turned into an SEO powerhouse, but that was never your intention. You wrote never, because you, you're a writer. I know. It really happened by accident, and I'm going to keep it. I will never write just to please the SEO gods, ever, because the, the moment I start doing that, I will lose my readership. I guarantee it, because yep. the heart disappears from it. Yeah. And one of the th things that makes me keep on writing and writing is that my heart is overflowing with, with stuff that I, I want to tell people, that I want to share. Because I, I feel one of the... I feel obligated to provide something of value to my readers because mm -hmm. I'm doing a big ask. Every week I ask them to spend four, five, six minutes with me out of their time, out of their busy schedule. And you better offer something that's of value to these people. Absolutely. Same with your talks. You know, you offer so much information for free because you're, you have this fire burning inside of you too. I know it, I see it, and I hear it as well. And ultimately, that is very attractive. I mean, yeah. I am, I have this irresistible urge, this irrepressible urge to share what I think I've learned in many years, not because I feel that I, I own the truth in some way or shape or form, no, but I, I feel that if I would not do it, part of me would die. That's how strongly I feel about it. And by the way, part of me has almost died, as you know, because I had a stroke a couple of years ago in my studio. And after my stroke, I woke up and I couldn't speak for a long time and had to go through speech therapy for months and months to learn how to speak and emote again. But during those days when I find myself in the hospital bed, barely able to utter a word or form a cogent thought, I said to myself, what if this voice of mine doesn't come back and I'm a voiceover? <laughs> yeah, Where's my business going to go? Yeah. I didn't want to lose my voice. But then it dawned upon me, I said to myself, as long as I'm able to write, I will always have a voice. 100%. So, yeah. yeah. So that's that's the great, it, it kept me alive and awake. And eventually, as you can hear, my voice came back and it never stopped. <laughs> but I that was a great consolation to me that I could always speak and communicate with the people that read my stuff. But it's also, it, it's also more than that, because once you start a blog, you start a conversation with people and you create a, uh, a crowd of people that, that like what you do, that resonate with what you have to say, and you make connections. And that's been another, I would say, side effect that I never 
thought about when I started writing, that you create a community of people who cheer you on, who are there for you when you're down, who love it when you're up and, and uh, root for you all the time. And, and, you know, when people get in discussions about what, I, what I've said in my blog on Facebook and they criticize me, there's always a couple that read over my shoulder and they go to bat for me. Yep. And this community is, has been one of the greatest and most wonderful side effects that has ever happened to me. Totally unexpected, but so appreciated. Yeah, and I can absolutely attest to that. I've had similar experiences. So talking specifically about the writing, and I love how you said, you know, I'll never lose my voice as long as I can write. Exactly. When I was writing my blog, I always struggled with the fact that I never felt like a great writer. I mean, I could have a concept and I could put together a blog, but what I lacked in my ability as a writer, I always hoped that I would make up for with good content. So what do you say to an aspiring blogger who maybe doesn't yet consider themselves a great writer? Well, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> I once was at the presentation of a children's book writer with my daughter. They had this literature week at school and there was a famous children's book writer. And one of the kids asked a very good question. She said, sir, do you consider yourself to be a good writer? And he said something that always stayed with me. He said, no, I don't think I'm a good writer but I think I'm a good rewriter. I think that's the essence. You know, you, nobody starts off writing like Shakespeare or Faulkner or any others of the greats of literature. All these people are craftsmen. They start with an idea, they begin with writing a couple of sentences, then they pause a little bit, let it percolate a little bit, they come back to it, and then they change it and mold it as if it were clay into a shape that eventually becomes something that could become art. So it's more a process of rewriting. And um, I do think that it is a prerequisite that you love to write. If you don't like writing, just go uh, make a podcast or produce YouTube videos, because writing is daunting. Because, you know, every now and then all of us have to stare at the blank page and say, yes. okay, now what? Yep. Uh, but, you know, like I said in the beginning of our talk, the more I do it, the easier the things flow. And um, I have this thing now that I almost call it automatic writing. You know, this is this thing called automatic writing where you just have a pen and paper and you don't think of anything, but see what your unconscious mind comes up with. Mm -hmm. It may be nonsense, maybe a great idea, but it starts with a kernel of something, an essence of something. And that's usually my writing process. You know, I observe something, I hear something, I see something that sparks my interest. And I sit down, I start typing, and there's a basic idea. For instance, I'm writing a blog now about shortcuts, shortcuts to success, to be specifically, because I've been seeing this tendency among people in our field, but it's really in many fields, that they really don't feel like investing a lot of time in getting good at what they do, but they're very interested in those people that can give them the shortcuts, the nuggets. If you do one, two, three, four, five, then you're guaranteed voiceover success. And it doesn't exist, of course, but this is this tendency in our culture, which I call the microwave culture, as opposed to the crockpot culture, yep. where we want things fast. But if you want to do it well, you got to, and it, if, a, if food wants to be nutritious and delicious, you got to use a crockpot instead of a microwave, right? Yep. And that's the same thing in many professions, voiceovers being one of them. So. I started with that idea of um, shortcuts to success, and then one idea flows in after the other, after the other, and I write it all down. There's no censoring myself, it's just one creative brainstorm flow of things. And then I wait a couple of hours or maybe a day, and then go back to my notes, and I start criticizing and censoring myself, and I start thinking about what problem that my readers may have am I addressing here? Because I think that's always a good angle to look at because you want to provide people with information that's actionable, that's useful, and they can put into practice the minute after they're done with your blog, they can start applying it. And then my question is, what problem does this address? And is there a problem behind that problem, the root cause of it, that can, when solved, can address the symptom? Yeah. And so that's the way I think. And you see that reflected in my blog because I usually start with something that you and I can recognize from our voiceover experience, our perspective, but I use that as an angle 
to look at life in general. So, for instance, a big theme in voiceovers is rejection or not being selected for a job. Now, that's not just applicable to us voiceovers. Anyone gets rejected one time or another. If you haven't been rejected, you haven't lived, you know. Think about love. The worst thing we fear is rejection. Think about going to a job interview. We don't want to be rejected. We all want to be accepted. We want to be liked, loved, and people say, you know, you matter. And when we were rejected, that's a terrible blow. So while I am on one level writing about rejection through the lens of voiceovers, I'm actually talking about rejection on a higher level. Yeah. And I think that's one of the, the cornerstones of my so-called success as a blogger, that while you read about voiceovers, doesn't matter whether you're a freelance writer, a photographer, a videographer, or anyone that is an independent contractor or anybody who's ever been rejected, you can recognize things and find lessons that you can apply in your own context. So that's another piece of advice that I want to pass on to people who are thinking of blogging. Think about once you write about voiceovers, make it bigger than that. Use voiceovers as a metaphor for what's going on in people's lives. And once you address that, you'll gain an audience so quickly, you'll be amazed. And that's a big part of it, right? That if you're going to use it as a marketing tool, and I mean, obviously, again, big difference between creative writing, SEO writing, but if you want to use it as a marketing tool, then you need to make sure that it's not just being read by a group of voice actors, for example, who are much less likely to come to your website or hire you as a result of that. So expanding that audience and thinking about how to talk about things on a broader level makes a lot of sense. Now, you talked about this concept of automatic writing. You sit down, you just kind of let it flow. What are some other ideas or, or some other ways that you come up with topics? Because I know for me, that was always the hardest part, right? Every once in a while, there was something that was, what do you want to, like a trending topic, right? There yeah. was. There was something that was going on that was very relevant in the industry. They're like, oh, I got to write about that or I got to do a video about that, right? So I've had those moments. But the hardest part for me, even with this podcast, there are days when I sit for like three hours staring at a screen thinking, what the heck am I even going to talk about? So do you have any other ideas or oh, yeah. suggestions outside of this automatic writing concept? How do we come <laughs> up with topics? Well, my first blogs, my first year of blogging really started as notes to self. That's all it was. So everything I wrote about in my first year were things that I was struggling with and hoping to find answers for. So think about what you're struggling with. If you're a voiceover career, what's bothering you? What's not going well? What do you need advice about? What do you need inspiration for? Those things, because they apply to you personally, will get you fired up, get that fire burning. So lots of things are just notes of self. What are you struggling with at the moment? Find your answers do your research and share what you have found with the world. Because if you have that problem, I bet you so many other people have that problem. Absolutely. The other thing that I stopped saying to myself was, you know what, this topic has been dealt before, dealt with before people have wrote, written about it. Why should I write about it? Because it's been talked about and the horse has been beaten to death. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the quickest way to kill a perfectly good blog. Nobody ever will have written about it the way you are about to write about it. So don't be discouraged if you find something that other people say, well, you know, why that topic? It doesn't sound interesting. No, you give it your spin, your unique color and perspective, make it your own. So that's what I do too. And where do I find my topics? Well, <laughs> a big part is, is online. You know, I'm a, an active member of quite a few voiceover groups groups of translators and creative creative freelancers. And I just follow what people are talking about on a daily basis and how they're talking about it. And then I always think, you know, I don't want to write about the incident that's going on right now, but I can use that as an opportunity to deal with the bigger picture. What's the bigger problem behind what they're addressing right now? For instance, the whole thing about rates, you know, it's not just about the money that you ask for your job, but it's also a matter of self-worth. Mm -hmm. What happens, what makes people not feel worthy of a good rate? You know, when they, when they put themselves down because they say, well, I am just a beginning voiceover. I couldn't possibly ask an X amount of money. What inside of them makes them say that to themselves? And what does that inner voice how does that inner voice affect their outer voice? Because I believe that anytime you doubt yourself, inside of you, you can hear it outside too. Yeah. Inside voice 
precedes your outside voice. So for me, then it becomes more of a psychological topic instead of purely voiceover related topic. So I always like to dig deeper. So yeah, find the problems behind the problems, try to dig deeper, take away the curtain and see what the layer is that you see then. And maybe behind that layer is another layer and another layer. And find stories to illustrate your point of view. And, you know, I think that as long as we're alive, we are all storytellers because we are living a story. We are an acting in our own play, as it were. And I think the best way to help people change their thoughts that may prevent them from becoming successful is not by telling them what to do, but telling them a story yeah. that's kind of a mirror of what they could do. It's not like, oh, I have the raised finger and let Paul, the Dutch voiceover guy, tell you what you should do. Number one, number two, number three. If you don't do it, well, too bad. You will never be a success. No, I think storytelling is the most gentle, persuasive way to give people ideas. It's like planting seeds and give them the freedom to interpret that story in any way they like instead of the Paul way. Yeah. So, you know, whether you realize it or not, you see stories all around you, you read stories, and that's my inspiration as well from the people that I meet, from the things that I encounter. You know, it's everywhere. To give you one more example, because I tend to go on and on and on if you don't interrupt me, but you know, I was shampoo shopping <laughs> in, the, in my local supermarket. And uh, I always look at labels and see how those products are marketing marketed because that interests me greatly, just in, as I know it interests you. Mm -hmm. And there was one that said like, uh, do you want to have hair like a TV announcer by this shampoo? <laughs> and I bought that bottle purely because it was such a ridiculous claim. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was very clever because it piqued my interest. And then I said, you know, what is this an example of? How does that company manage to convince me out of all the other shampoos, hundreds of shampoos that I could have bought, why did I go to that one and felt drawn to it like a magnet? And how can I use what they did in my marketing campaign? What is my message? How can I craft that to attract clients? And so I can even find inspiration on the shelves of an ordinary supermarket. That's a mindset thing, right? Like I've talked about before how, you know, I'll be sitting in the airport shuttle, you know, riding from the hotel to the airport. And I'm the guy that's sitting on the shuttle staring at the names of the buildings or the names on the buildings and making notes of them thinking, you know, maybe that's a lead. Maybe that's a lead. Maybe that's a lead. Because that my mind is just always thinking about where where can I find my next lead? My guess is that when you've been writing as long and as consistently as you've been, it just becomes part of your mindset of, you know, where where is the next idea? And, and they will come from the most random locations, but you're allowing yourself to be open to that possibility. Absolutely. And I'm also allowing myself not to censor myself. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people are hard on themselves. I always tell my students, be soft on yourself. Please cut yourself some slack and allow myself to come up with ridiculous ideas, just be crazy without criticizing myself. You know, like, oh, we all have these inner voices that sabotage our success that say, you know, you'll never be a success. You'll never make it. You're never going to happen. Who do you think you are? You know, I shut those voices out. They're not welcome in my house. <laughs> you know, yeah. Go away. And instead, I look at the world around me with wonder, with curiosity, and there's always inspiration. I listen to people talk all the time. I started doing that when I did voiceovers more regularly as a living because I want to find out where I can be inspired for different tones of voice, different accents. So I always listen to how people talk and what they say to each other. And it's wonderful how people reveal themselves and what's, what's bothering them in their lives, what's, what's inspiring them in their lives. And uh, there's always something that you can pick up. There's, you know, uh, the moment I stop learning, I stop living. That's it. There's always more to learn. Yeah. And it's this curiosity of, you know, what makes people, how can, I, how can, I, especially people who are where I want to be. That's another secret, I guess, because we are in this culture where we are very much focused on things that don't work, like uh, the medical, um, medical industry, you know, when you look at um, medical um, doctors, they study people that are not functioning well. They study disease. Mm -hmm. They start studying how people die and want to prevent that. So you're looking at something that's not working optimally in order to find a cure 
for people to get better. I approach it from the other side. I look at people who are highly functioning, who are where I want to be in life, and find out what their secrets to their success are. What makes them reach those results? What do they do differently? How do they think differently, speak differently, hold their bodies in a different way? What's their diet? It's the whole thing that makes them eventually to who they are and is kind of gives us clues to the secret of their success. And I believe that we all have the same neurology, same biology, basically. So if one person can do that, I think it's possible for us to replicate these things, learn these habits, ingrain them in our brain and become maybe not as successful as they are, but as successful as we can be. Yeah, that's an important distinction as well. Mm -hmm. You know, the notes to self idea inspiration. I mean, that was what started my blog. Yeah. I was, it was all the stupid mistakes that I was making and how I fixed them. Like that's literally, if you go back through the first year or two of my blog, when I was writing it, that's what it was. It was, oh, well, this is a lesson I learned the hard way, but here's how I, here's how I fixed it. So I don't do that again type deal. So there's, there's so many different places that you can draw the inspiration from. One of the most important aspects of marketing your voiceover business is having a successful follow-up strategy. And one of the hardest, most frustrating, most confusing, and most overwhelming aspects of marketing your voiceover business is the follow-up strategy. It's the one thing that we're afraid to do because we don't want to come across as annoying. We don't want to get in front of people too much because we don't want to turn them away. But the reality is we need to be following up. We need to keep ourselves top of mind. It's how we ultimately convert a lead to a prospect to a client. If you are struggling with your follow-up, I want to help you. I want to help you create a strategy. I want to give you actionable practical advice for what to do, what to say, where to say it, how often to say it, everything you need to know about following up. It's happening in my new course. It's called Follow Up Academy. This two-hour masterclass is going to happen live via Zoom Tuesday, November 16th, 7 o'clock Eastern Time. If you can't attend live, you can sign up for the class anyway because everybody who signs up will get access to a complete video recording. But in this class, you are going to learn everything you need to know about the art of the follow-up. You can get the details at markscottcoaching.com. It is limited to the first 50 people and it is almost sold out. All the details at markscottcoaching.com. Look up Follow-Up Academy. Now, back to our show. Look, there are days when I wake up and I absolutely do not feel like doing a podcast. Like, for whatever reason, something else is going on, not in the mood, whatever the case may be. But by starting a podcast, I feel like I have made a commitment to my audience that that podcast is going to be there for them, that they're going to be able to listen to that new episode like they expect every week. I'm guessing there are or have been times when you've just not felt it or, you know, didn't want to write or whatever. What do you do? Do you write anyway? I always have a couple of uh, contributions on the shelf. If I really don't feel up to it, it's usually when I'm physically incapable of doing that. But I, I rarely wake up. I mean, this sounds so pretentious, but there's rarely a day that I don't want to write. You know, every day I want to breathe. Yep. I want to. I want to eat. And to me, writing is such a big part of my routine. I mean, I would hate the idea of having to make a, a vlog or a podcast, because that seems like so much work to me. Writing is the easiest thing, you know, you don't yeah. need anyone. There's no tip, tricks or tips, or I don't have to think about background music, and I don't have to edit the whole thing. It's a lot of work doing video editing and, and podcasting. So I make it very easy for myself, and I create the ideal atmosphere for myself. So if I feel a little bit sorry for myself, and I say, oh, I'm not having a great day, I just want to pamper myself a little bit. I get a nice cup of coffee. I put on my nice fluffy yellow Dutch clogs. I stay in my PJs. I go down to my studio. And um, I think about the things that I love in life, what I'm grateful for, and about the people that respond to my blog. And when I, when I open my, my inbox, it's just so incredibly flattering and wonderful and moving too, you know. Somebody just said to me on, on, uh, on Instagram, um, Paul, I feel that reading your work is like having a personal life coach. Said, wow. And some people at voiceover conferences walked up to me, said, Paul, I want to thank you because when I was deep down in the dumps, 
I somehow found your blog and it was as if you were speaking to me personally. And it and you gave a couple of clues there that helped me get out of my funk. And here I am. And one of the reasons I want to be here is because I wanted to meet you and say thank you. I'm not telling these stories to pat yourself on the back, but how is that for motivation? You know, when you don't feel motivated, I think of these people, those people I want to connect with and those people I'm writing for. And then I just forget all my doubts and my, my tiredness and it, it, I'll just, it starts flowing again. That resonates with me because I have kept a file in my email. I've got a separate folder in my inbox and it's letters from voice actors who have written to say, you know, thank you for this or, you know, this had such a profound impact on me, whatever it was. And every once in a while when the well is running low, I can go into that folder and read some of those emails or, you know, I can look at the comments that have been left or the reviews that have been left for a podcast or whatever. And I can just be reminded that, you know, I'm, I'm doing something good, that I'm, I'm making a difference in people's lives. And it, it does refresh and recharge you. And absolutely, it promotes or provides motivation to, to go back to doing the thing. That's for sure. Oh, yes. And I remember watching you. And uh, one of the things I'll never forget, because first of all, you repeated it quite a few times, which I think is very effective. But because it was such a good way, you, 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 you summarize things. You, I remember you saying, never build your business on top of someone else's business. And even though I had given that some thought and I'd written a lot about pay to plays, nobody had worded that the way you did. And that stuck with me and it's still there. And that inspires me. And these things I think is what people remember about you and what you're so good at as well. You, you boil things down to the essence and all of a sudden the light bulb goes on and say, yes, this is it. And you, you say that so brilliantly that people will remember. And that's, I think, some skill that you have to have as a blogger as well and a vlogger. You need to be sure that what you write is quotable and that people remember. You need to be quotable and yeah. those quotes will lead their own life. For instance, one of the things that I've said from, from day one is that my added value is always higher than my rate. That's something people know me for. Mm -hmm. And whenever there's a discussion about uh, rates and added value, there's always somebody who comes up with that phrase and they don't even know it came from me. But once I know that it's become commonplace, I know that I've done something good for my community. That's legacy. Is what Absolutely. That is. It is. By the way, good, good segue. Cause that's one of the other reasons I blog cause I want to leave a legacy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it sounds a little bit pretentious, maybe, but, you know, think about all the voiceovers that you record every week, every month, every year. How much of that is going to be remembered? You know, that commercial that you recorded or that maybe spoken book, because, well, if it's a classic, people will keep on listening to it. But the e-learnings and all the industrials, how much of that is going to be remembered? Yep. For me, I'd say 95% of the stuff that I record will be forgotten yep. so quickly. Yep. <laughs> no matter my best efforts, people in one ear, out the other, literally. But a blog has staying power. Yeah. Because you can turn it into a book and you can turn it into an audio book. And um, my blogs, I have about 570 different blog posts on my website and it's there. And whenever there's somebody who's asking questions and oh, I've written about it. I'll send you a link to my blog. That saves me a lot of time explaining what I've written about in my blog. So having a blog is not only great for your SEO, a great for your ego, <laughs> great for your connections with your community, but it's also a way to leave a lasting impression. And I will say it will get you on other people's podcasts too, which is always nice. You know, I, I read a lot of biographies, right? So I've been reading a lot of biographies lately on historical, you know, presidents, entrepreneurs, Carnegie, Lincoln, you know, guys like that. Yeah. And the reason why those biographies primarily exist is because of journals and diaries that, that they kept, right? And, you know, that's what they did in the 1800s when there was no computers or no internet. And that's ultimately what led to their stories being able to be told today. That's what the blog has become, right? It's, it's, it's your journal. It's your your diary that creates your legacy. I love the idea of that, which actually I think maybe becomes the answer partly to this next question, which is, what do you think the definition of a successful blog is? Because everybody's trying to figure out how to build one. Is it a certain number of readers, a, a certain traffic 
stat, the amount of comments that you get, the amount of social media shares or mentions. So how do you define success with your blog? And how would you encourage a new blogger to create their definition of success? I think that's a phenomenal question. And I happen to have written about that a couple of weeks ago in a blog called The Power of One. At the end, I ask, what is blogging success? What's success in general? And um, I remember Deepak Chopra, one of the, the great thinkers of this time, I think, um, in the personal growth and development scene. I, I used to be an, uh, a journalist in a past life for the BBC and Radio Netherlands International. And uh, I got to interview Deepak Chopra once about his book about success. And I asked him, what is your definition of success? And um, he said, success is the, is the continued realization of goals worthwhile pursuing. So it's something that's ongoing and it's a goal that you pursue that is worthwhile to you. So then the question is, what's worthwhile? And we all need to find our answer to that in life, but also as a blogger. What would make it worthwhile for me? And to me, it's not that I have 40,000 plus followers or that people quote me or that my SEO is out of, the, out of this world and people come to my website. But ultimately, my success is that one day, one person reads one thing that I've written that inspires that person, that moves that person in a direction that is helpful for them. Yeah. If I can do that one day at a time with one person and one story at a time, that's success to me. I love that because, I mean, if you're looking for it in the numbers, I think you're always going to be disappointed because no number is ever going to be high enough, right? Right. If you got 100 comments, you want 1,000 comments. If you want 40,000, if you got 40,000 subscribers, you want 50,000 subscribers. So you've got to have a different way of of describing it. I know for me, it was always, I knew how life-changing it was for me to be able to build a voiceover business and take control of my life and ultimately take control of my income. Having worked, you know, in radio for so many years, having had a boss always tell me what my hours were going to be, what my schedule was going to be. I, I was never going to make any more money than X, you know, all that sort of stuff. So building a voiceover business, that was life-changing for me. And when I started writing my blog and then ultimately, as that evolved into videos, podcasts, et cetera, the goal has always been if I can help somebody else experience that same life change because, you know, they they learned something from a blog that I wrote or from a podcast that I've done and it's helped make a difference in their business, then everything I've done, all the content that I've created, it, it that's how I define it as successful. If I'm helping somebody else to to achieve that goal or that dream. So it's... yeah. It's yeah. good to, I mean, you got to think bigger than yourself, right? Bigger than the, oh, totally. bigger than the numbers. Totally. Cause it's basically, you answer the question to the meaning of life. Yeah. It's making a difference in other people's lives. And they, well, as they change that you, you change as well. I mean, it's doing something that's totally fulfilling, totally satisfying, totally where you answer the calling that you didn't even know that you had when you started out. I want people to do better than I am doing, but I always tell them what I think you do too. Is if I can do it, you certainly can do it. And, uh, it's, it's all about giving really. It's all about giving. And yeah. that's a cultural change because so much in our society is about taking me, 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 want, 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 give, give, give. Yep. I want it. I want, I want, and it's a completely different mindset. I thought if all of us would be more giving and more helpful, more understanding, more sensitive to one another and be open to our needs and see how we can help people, I think we would create a better world. And that's that's ultimately, I think, a goal I hope lots of people will strive for, you know, to make this world a better place and this place a better world. Absolutely. So your blog has evolved over the years. I remember reading it when I was building my business full-time and often there were times when it felt like it was more like hard hitting investigative journalism, <laughs> yeah. more so than, than reading a blog and not always, yeah. but you just, you had the ability to tackle tough issues. You pulled no punches, which I always respected. I've always felt like you were one of the most trusted industry advocates for accountability, for transparency, all of these sort of things. But what does 2021 Paul look like? How, how has the evolution transpired over the years that you've been writing? <laughs> That's a, such a wonderful question. 
because I, I have given that a lot of thought and a big moment for me came three years ago when I had my stroke. And as I told you earlier, I couldn't speak and uh, I was pondering the meaning of life and whether it had any meaning at all and whether I would end up like a plant and people would have to take care of me. And what's, you start reevaluating your life, you know, it's, it's, it's an emotional moment. And yeah. uh, I looked at myself and the reasons why I had gotten a stroke. And one of the things was that um, I believed that I was always trying to do more, be better, prove myself to the world, shout from the highest rooftops, get recognition, feel the praise and tackle the, the topics nobody wanted to talk about and do that in such a way that was really pushing buttons, pushing envelopes, being the chief provocateur of the voiceover industry. And it had kind of a, I wouldn't say a nasty streak, but kind of, I was very combative. You know, I was on the barricades fighting for our rights as a voiceover to create great rates for everybody, recognition for our profession and tell all the newbies what they did wrong. Yep. <laughs> that was Paul on the barricades. And that worked because I got a lot of recognition for that. Paul tells it the way it is. And so, but it hasn't had another effect because people thought I wasn't a very nice person. Then they saw me at voiceover conferences and said, Paul, I never knew you were such a nice guy. What is this? The same guy who writes all these stories. And to me, there was this, this undercurrent of, of anger mm -hmm. in my writing that was kind of feeding me, but it's also destroying me from the inside. Wow. Because one of the reasons I got this stroke was because I was, I was doing too much. I wanted to prove too much to too many people and to myself and to my parents who were no longer alive even. I was trying to show the world what I could do and for how long I could do it. And I was a workaholic. And when I was here in my studio, my, uh, my heart decided to send me a very strong signal. Yep. It created a blood clot in my brain and resulted in a stroke. And I woke up and said, well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. Look at that. If, if this kind of thinking and living that way leads to me nearly dying, that can't be good. So you better change your ways. So I think that the poll in 2021 is more understanding, is milder in his, in his views, is more compassionate, more considerate, and more of a storyteller instead of a preacher. I mean, I love to tell stories, but when a preacher, you know, I, I look at preachers who like give people hell when they don't do this, that, and that. I mean, I'm the son of a minister, so there's always this part of a preacher in me that I, wa I want to tell people how I think things should be and should work, but I don't want to push it down their throats anymore, yeah. I think. So I'm more of a storyteller, more gentle, I hope, kinder, more compassionate, and uh, I hope a little bit more humorous too, a little bit more self-deprecating. Because, you know, I stopped doing the 24-7 being always available thing for every client and mm -hmm. running the rat race. I completely stopped that because I knew I would die if I could go back to the lifestyle, you know, always available at the last moment for any audition that would come away. No. If clients really want me and want to hear my audition, I'll do it at a moment that's good for me. If they don't want me, if they go to someone else, fine. There's other clients waiting to work with me. So I, I gave that up and I feel so much better, so much healthier. Yeah. The distinction between storyteller and preacher, that's a, mm -hmm. that's a great way of putting it. And I mean, I see it as I'm listening to you talk. I'm like, how do I explain it? There's been an emotional shift. I've seen it as, as a reader, as someone who consumes your content. And I don't know the best way to put it. There, there were times when it definitely felt like a call to arms, right? Some of those yeah. posts were like, he's right. We need to line up behind him. We've got to fight this. We've got it. And now I read your posts and I'm like, I kind of just want to give somebody a hug. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the best way to put it, but, but that like, I see this evolution that has, that has taken place and it's, I don't, it's been it's been a beautiful thing for me to, to, to see that difference. And yet the value is still there. Yeah. Right. I don't feel yeah. like you've lost your edge at all. You've just, I guess it, it goes back to what you talked about in the beginning, right? Identifying your perspective and what's your, what perspective do you bring? And I guess your perspective has shifted understandably. Yeah. So 
Mm -hmm. and I think it's also much more effective because when I was, was taking people to task, there was a lot of uh, first-hand rejection because, you know, oh my gosh, you who are you to tell me what I should do? You know, Mr. Arrogant mm -hmm. talking to us from his ivory tower. Oh, look at that guy from Holland. Who does he think he is to, to, to lecture us, you know? And that uh, caused people to reject my ideas out of hand without even considering them. Yeah. And so I don't think it was very effective. I mean, it, it has cost me my, a lot of readers though, you know, because people like the controversy. Sure. They like it when I take on like uh, the big, big companies and the big names. They want to read about, oh, look what Paul's doing now. He's not afraid to bite the hand that feeds him. He tells things that we don't dare to say, but we are thinking nevertheless. So they let me let me do that work for them. And it and people loved it. They were eating it up. Now I'm a little bit more mild, not as controversial. And people go to other outlets where other people start yelling louder. So I, I've toned down my voice and has had consequences for my readership because I don't think my blog is growing that much anymore, which I think 40,000 is enough. It's fine with me. Like I said, if one person is inspired by one thing I wrote on one day, that's fine enough for me. Yep. But uh, it, it, it's a different style, definitely, definitely different. And uh, you know, if anything, it feels much better to me because this is more reflective of who I am now. Or maybe it's just I'm getting an old fart and you know, I'm not as uh, interested in controversies anymore, being the bully of the voiceover world. I don't know. It is, I think it comes with age as well. You know, people become a little milder and less radical. I have said that exact same thing. I'm like, you know, the older I get, the less that I'm interested in fighting with people. I think yeah. I think kids made a big difference for me too. When I first yeah. started writing, I was just a single guy and and... I mean, I guess you have a single guy perspective. You don't think about it at the time, but I look back on it now and think, yeah, I probably was a little bit more aggressive about certain things and, and you know, probably a little bit more fist to the table type deal. But then having kids, I'm like, yeah, now I'm definitely, I'm definitely a little bit softer and, you know, maybe I am becoming a little bit more emotional as I become an old fart too. So I, I, could, <laughs> I could totally relate to that. Yeah. And you have one child? Uh, one of my own and then two step who are, oh, they're my own. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I have one daughter and um, I'm married to the woman who's not her mother, but she's a stepmother. But we're at, at life. It's life changing, perspective yep. changing. It's a big uh, shift in thinking and feeling and doing. <laughs> Man, yes, I've learned so much from my daughter. She has no idea. Yeah. So today, podcasting is huge. We're here doing this right now. Yeah. Everybody wants to be YouTube famous. Social media has destroyed our attention spans. People can barely stay focused for more than 60 seconds anymore. Content strategies are short, quick hit pieces, a single image, a 15-second video, a 280-character tweet. Has this impacted or do you think it will impact blogging? It doesn't seem like it's changed what you do. Actually, I love what you do on Instagram. I think maybe that's why it stands out. Right. Yeah, because Instagram is this visual medium where people post pictures. But until recently, nobody used it as a writing tool. And <laughs> I thought this was a great opportunity. I mean, I'm a bit of an amateur photographer, not very good, but I like taking pictures and turning that into something more than just a picture. And uh, I also found that um, as I was losing my audience a little bit through my blogs, I had to find a new audience, a younger audience. And this Instagram thing spoke to me. So I said, what if I start just microblogging, just 2,000 words? You know, my regular blog is about 6,000 to 10,000 words. Just 2,000 word limit, little snippets of information and storytelling, just to accompany the photograph that I'm taking and sharing that with people. And that was a big hit, much to my surprise. It was just an experiment. Didn't know how it was going. But to me, that gave me an, an impetus to write every single day, which I hadn't been doing before. And like I said in the beginning, we need a little bit of an incentive, especially on the days when we don't feel like it. There's this little pressure, this little knock on the door. Come on, what, you, what did you do today? Another story. Great. So that helped me get my inspiration going and flowing. And it helped me reach a totally different audience. But you know, talking about the podcast and, and videos, you know, uh, I think that I'm a much better writer than speaker to be honest, because 
you know, I sometimes tend to go on forever, as you've no, no doubt heard, and start to blabber, and though know, I'm searching for words, and I sometimes have word blindness. So I don't think I'm that great of a speaker. I think I'm a much better writer, because writing is really giving myself a chance to rethink my thoughts and rewrite my words to make it exactly right, to boil it down to the essence, to, to create something that I can be happy with. Whereas if I would just talk as a podcaster, I think I would get lost in my own train of thoughts. Plus, it's already something that I've done. You know, I've had a career in radio, just like you. I've done it for 25 years, so it's not new to me at all. So I don't feel like playing radio. And I, if I were to do a podcast, I want to make it so different from anything that exists. Something like Radiolab. I don't know if you know the American show Radiolab, but it's an exquisitely produced podcast, really with special composers and sound effects and editing. Man, when you listen to Radio Lab, it's on National Public Radio here in the United States. This has great production value, great storytelling. And I would, I would love to create a soundscape like that, but I don't have time for that at all. So either do it and do it well or not do it at all. Yep. So it would take up too much time. And the same thing for producing videos. You know, I, I know how to edit audio. But I'm still very bad at editing video, and I, I just don't have the time to learn it and do it well and do it right, because I don't want to play radio and TV and then it not be good. And there's also one thing people often ask me for advice, what they should do or what not to do, what trend to follow. And I always tell them, look at all the trends, the things that are popular right now, and do the opposite, because the trend is what everybody else is doing already. You yeah, don't want to true. do that. So yep. be counter trendy. Yep. So everybody's going to podcasting, write a blog. If everybody's going to blogging, do a vlog. If everybody goes to, um, what is it, TikTok, go to Instagram. Do what other people are not doing. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing with, um, with voiceover conferences. I once had a voiceover conference and I, and I asked people not to do anything that I would recommend to them. Because most people would take what I recommended to them and put that into practice and say, you don't want to do that because everybody else is already doing it. Yeah. Makes <laughs> sense. It's kind of uh, counterintuitive, but it has worked for me, you know. So uh, I, if blogging is old, well, let me be old. Let me be vintage. It's the vehicle that works well for me. It's my way of expressing myself in a way that I don't feel I can do in any other way. And it has much more staying power. Plus, I think yeah. that when you look at the blog, you can scan it. You can quickly pick out paragraphs that resonate with you and then put it aside and go to something else. So it's very quickly take the information, take what you like, and then leave the rest. Whereas if you listen to a podcast, thank goodness for listening to this one, by the way, but you have to listen to the whole thing. It's very linear. Mm -hmm. You can't scan a podcast like you can scan an article. Yep. So it's, to me, it's more useful. Uh, use of my time as well to read an article quickly than to have to listen and sit through a whole podcast where the where the host loves to hear himself or herself speak all the time. Ah, uh. yeah. Every medium still has a place. That's one of the beauties of the internet right now. Mm -hmm. So, look. One final question: If you could give one piece of practical advice to someone who is either thinking of starting up a blog or maybe looking to revive one that they've misfired on a time or two, what would that piece of advice be? Well, I think that you have to have a unique point of view in order to have a blog that attracts readers. And that unique point of view doesn't necessarily always have to do with voiceovers. So when people start thinking of blogging, I ask them to take a few moments to jot everything down, what they think they bring to the table that distinguishes them from the rest of us. That's how I really started also. So when I thought about myself, what I have to offer, I looked at myself and what makes me different and stand out from other people. So first of all, I had a career as a journalist and broadcaster. That's why you say that a lot of my pieces in the beginning read like they were journalistic articles. That's because I used my background as a journalist, as a broadcaster. Of course, I'm a voice talent. I used to be a media trainer, helping people to do well in radio and television. I've been freelancing for 50 years of my life, pretty much. I've been the business owner. I've studied neurolinguistic psychology. I'm a trainer of hypnotherapy. I come from the Europe, specifically the Netherlands. I speak different languages. 
people say that I have an okay sense of humor. There's a little bit of sarcasm that I like to blend in. I can be thought-provoking and I'm not afraid to speak my mind. So these are kind of 10 different things that I thought make me me and would make me interesting to read as, as a blogger. So that would be my tip when you start blogging. Find these areas in your life because those are the colors on your palette that you're going to use to paint your picture with, the picture that's going to be a blog. And uh, be nice to yourself. Say, well, you know, it's uh, some people are just too modest and they think they don't, they're not interesting enough. When I talk to people for a couple of minutes, everybody's interesting. Everybody's got a story to tell. The stories are everywhere around you. Just develop that second nature of picking up on them and mix what you get from the outside world with the inside world and find your own voice, create the ideal mix and turn it into a story, spin it into your own narrative. And that's how you may end up with a well-read blog. I think one of the things that you said earlier also stands true, which is you're, you're writing to make a difference for one person. And I think when you think about it from that perspective, I need to be interesting to one person, not not a thousand, not ten thousand. I just need to be interesting to one person on this particular day with this one particular subject. And when you think about it like that, it certainly takes a lot of the pressure off, I think. Absolutely. Because one of the things people think that you need to be when you have a successful blog or whatever is that you need to be a people pleaser because the more people you please, the greater your audience will be. I think the contrary is true. The more specific your point of view, the more unique and individual your point of view is the more interesting you become as a blogger, as a vlogger, as a person. It's like this advice that they give voiceovers, you know, the more accents you master, the more, the more genres you master as a voiceover, the more in demand you will be. I think it's really the people who specialize in certain areas and become really good at what they do. They're the ones making the big bucks and getting the, the, the big jobs, not the, the ones that are the just, oh, I'll do anything, you know, I'll, I'll record anything. That's fine. Just pay me. I'll, I'll read it. No, no, no. You need to distinguish yourself, find your voice and not be this person that tries to please as many cooks as possible. You know, it's this thing in Holland. We have these wisdoms written on tiles. You probably have them here too. And it says, one of them says in Holland, there's no cook that can please every palate. You don't want a palate pleaser. No, you don't want to be a crowd pleaser. You want to have your perspective, your point of view, and share that with the world. And if you do that well, if you're interesting enough, people pick that up. Absolutely. And, you know, surround yourself with interesting people. Put yourself in interesting situations. You know, do things that other people haven't done. Be a little bit daring. Be a little bit silly in your life. Try things out that every pe everyone says, well, you know, you shouldn't really do that. Especially when somebody says, don't do it, do it. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. You've got nothing to lose and you've got everything to gain. And who knows, maybe one day you can turn your blog post into a book and um, someone will ask you to speak at conferences and call you up for an interview on podcast and you have a whole group of new friends that will enrich your life beyond anything that you would have ever expected. Absolutely. And then one day you might find yourself like I was in the hospital all alone, not knowing what happened. You hear the machines around you beeping all the time and you're in the dark. You hear the nurses whisper and you're at your lowest because you feel like crap. And then you open up Facebook. People are reading your blog and they connected with you. And they said, we just heard you had a stroke. How are you doing? We got your back. Just want you to know I'm thinking about you. We're here for you if you need it. And I keep on telling this story every time because I want to know that what you do is not just putting words to paper. You're touching people's lives and you make, it's this big pebble in a pond that makes ripples. And you never know when those ripples will come back to you when you least expect it. But when you most need it, your readers are there for you and say, we got you, Paul. We've heard you. If you need anything, just call me. I will be there. And that's also part thanks to my blog because it's, it's a way for people to get to know you, yeah. to learn to like you, because nobody wants to work with a jerk. People don't want to work with people they don't trust. So it's another way to build trust for people to find out what you're made of professionally, but also personally. So I hope I've given you enough reasons to start blogging, at least to start writing. And if you're listening right now and 
you're thinking of starting a blog and you need some input, or you want me to look at something that you've written, that's something I want to offer to your listeners, just uh, give me a call. Go to nethervoice.com, a website, there's a contact page, or write to paul at nethervoice.com. Connect with me. I'm not going to charge you anything for it because it's just something I love doing and I'm passionate about. But if you want to have some input, want to have some ideas about how to start or, you know, what platform should I use or anything that you have questions about that I have not answered in this, this interview, connect with me and I'll be there to help you because so many people have helped me in my life. My greatest privilege would be to help you on your way. I think this is where you haven't built an audience. You've, you've built a community. And it's a, an important distinction, and it's a beautiful thing. And, and uh, I mean, we're grateful. You're, as your community, as part of your community, we're grateful for what you've done and for what you've had to offer. I know you just gave the website. I think most people are pretty familiar with it when you have 40,000 <laughs> subscribers yeah. on it. But nethervoice.com is where we can go to find the blog. And if somebody wants to find you on Instagram, because I think that everybody should be following and reading these uh, little microblogs that you're putting on Instagram, <laughs> where can we find you there? That's also at the handle Nether Voice. Very predictable, but very easy to remember. Just type in Nether Voice and I'll come up. There's only one, unless it's an imposter trying to uh, tell the world that he is Nether Voice. I've had that a couple of weeks ago. It was, uh, was terrible. That's how but, you know you've arrived. Yeah, I know. It was a compliment in a way, too. It took me two days to alert everybody. But just go to Nether Voice. And if you read something that you find interesting or mildly amusing, it's probably my word. So, yeah, let's connect there, too. And Absolutely. I'll connect with you. Thank you so much, Paul. I'm so grateful for your time and for all of the, the wisdom and the insight that you've shared. I think a lot of people are going to have a lot more ideas on how to find their unique voice, whether they choose to blog or podcast or do videos or whatever medium they choose to use. I think they'll know how to find their unique voice now. So thank you. Thank you so much, Mark. And you're almost my neighbor. So uh, if you're ever close to Newport in Vermont, close to the Canadian border, knock on my door. Absolutely. It's so great to have you, Paul. Thank you so much. Take care. I haven't written a blog post in probably about three years now since I wrote my last blog. I had switched over and started doing video more consistently, putting out a new video every week. Then I started doing the podcast and putting out a podcast every week and trying to incorporate a blog into the midst of all of that. It was just too much. It was overwhelming. But I got to tell you, after listening to this interview and, and having the privilege of talking about the subject of blogging and learning from somebody like Paul, man, there's a part of me that feels like I need to fire up the blog again. So if it's something that you've ever thought about doing, I really hope that this episode is an inspiration for you. And certainly it gave you a ton of information that you will be able to think about in order to start your blog and do it the right way. If you're listening, let us know. Please post it in your Instagram stories. Tag me at Mark Scott. Tag Paul at Nethervoice. Let us know that you're listening. Let us know that you enjoyed the episode. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback, of course, as always. Never miss an episode. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. Check out the complete archives. There's well over 100 episodes now, all of them available for listening and download at Vopreneur.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you on the next one. The Everyday Vopreneur Podcast. Available everywhere fine podcasts are given away for free. Mostly, we think. Having your voiceover demos easily playable and downloadable on your website is essential. The VoiceSam player lets you do that across any device and browser. There are also options for adding play buttons in your email signature, tracking your listens, and even putting videos in your demo player. Sign up now at voicezam.com slash markscott and receive an instant $25 credit. For full details and to claim this offer, visit voicesam.com slash markscott. And scene. And that's a wrap. Thanks for hanging in. Thanks for hanging out. Want more Vopreneur goodness? Jump online at vopreneur.com. <laughs>